Hey, I'm Sarah Hokum. You're listening to the Amside Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Amside Podcast, the show that talks about all things disc golf. From weekend rounds for your mates to the pro tour over in the States, we've got you covered all from an amateur perspective. And who are we? Well, I'm Rob and this is Dale and we're your hosts. Dale, what have the listeners got this week on the show? We've just had my favourite tournament of the year, well, favourite major of the year, the USDGC. Um, and what four days of disc golf we have had. It was absolutely incredible. Um, lots to talk about there. But also, um, we've had Sarah Hokum on the show this week talking about her experience this year on tour and where she's looking to go uh, and talking all things MVP. So action-packed as usual. If there's ever an FPO that knows how to yeet a Frisbee, Sarah is the one. So it was awesome chatting to her. Can't wait to bring the interview to you guys. Uh, before we jump into anything, though, got to talk about the sponsors of the show. So everyone knows that listens week on week. We've got two. We're going to start with the first, guys discub.co.uk they sell plastic not much to say there but they say good quality plastic they're getting stuff in all the time new orders make sure you're keeping yourself refreshed you know bookmark the website double click check it every week or so because they're always getting new stuff in and if they're not getting in what you want specifically you can always email them they're really nice guys over at discub and they're more than happy to see what they can do to make sure that your bag is getting nice and full and preparing you for the best rounds possible. So make sure you go check out discub.co.uk and use our code AMSIDE5 and get yourself 5% off your order. And then number two, we've got Backhand Apparel. So they're the official apparel partners of the show. They keep us looking good out on the course and they can get you looking good out on the course as well. So make sure you head over there, check out all of the items they've got and use our code AMSIDE10 for 10% off anything that you choose to purchase from them and not a lot of people a lot of people come to us and say oh like we listen to the show i bought some backhand gear i asked if they use the code they said they forgot so if you are buying anything use the code if not for our benefits save yourself some money absolutely so let's talk about it usdgc four days of incredible disc golf and obviously the uh, first ever fro pink uh, women's disc golf championship um both events looked fantastic. Um, Sarah and Jonathan put on an incredible show. And it's really nice to hear Sarah talk about, actually, what a nice experience it was um, to be part of the Championship Week. Yeah, I think the fact that it was at the same time, the fact that it was on disc, you know, next to each other in the scoring, it gave the weight of a major to it. So I, in my head, I was looking at who was winning on the MPO and FPO, and giving the same amount of weight to that event. So one was the US Championships, one was an A-tier, but actually it felt a little bit special because it was so closely aligned to the USDGC. Um, and I think that just just raised the sort of the media presence, maybe some of the sort of the notoriety of, of, the, of the FPO game. Um, and it's what, it's what Throw Pink do. They just continually, continually raise the bar in... Uh, in, in female disc golf and how just to get the message out there. Yeah, definitely. And they've, uh, they absolutely smashed it. Um, it was it was quality to see um, such a well-run event. And I think you're right. You know, it felt like a major. And I wouldn't be surprised if in years to come it becomes one because it felt that big. And, um, I mean, my pick, Missy Gannon, uh, coming in with the win, um, I think that cements her place 
uh, in women's disc golf. I know there's a few podcasts speaking about whether or not she should be top five, um, but absolutely, after taking that down, she's got to be up there. Well, we've said it before, and we've said, we're going to say it a lot more on the show. Putting wins championships, and uh, Missy is just the absolute stone cold truth on that. Challenge um, SS, mate. Can't beat it. Challenge SS. <laughs> you may swap to it for a reason. Absolutely. Um, Although they've got to talk about Paige Pierce. Apparently she's been having some problems with her hands. Um, oh, apparently no. she's been struggling to to hold on to things. Oh. Um, started a started a Worlds where she wasn't able to hold on to the lead that she had. And sadly, the same thing happened this weekend as well. So uh, we wish her the best. Um, we know that <laughs> we know that she can. She, she's going to get the grip back. She's Paige Pierce. You know what? She can she can handle a bit of a uh, she can handle a bit of banter because she's winning every other weekend. That is true. Um, but I don't think she's ever going to talk to you again. Um, but no, you're right. Uh, Paige Pierce, you know, it slipped away. It did slip away. She had an, a, a very unlike Paige Pierce round. When I started seeing sevens, eights and nines on the scorecard, I knew something wasn't right. Um, and she just said uh, in an Instagram post that things just weren't going her way. Um, she didn't have the confidence she wanted over her game. Um, and unfortunately, it, it let people creep in and those people would be Missy Gannon, Kona Panis, Own Scoggins, all up there um, fighting for for the lead. Um, so fair play. And it came down to a really, really good final day of, of disc golf. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. That's the thing. I think what disc golf and, and bull golf and, dare I say, it, foot golf, uh, <laughs> that doesn't often get mentioned on the show, but these individual sports, even tennis, racket sports, when it's just a, you and a solo performance, it absolutely magnifies any mistake, any off day. You, you look at football, you look at team sports, American football. If the receiver's having a bad day, there's not, there's a lot more people on the field that can pick up the slack. But individual sports, there isn't that slack. So it shows when when you're on a heater, you're loving life. But when you uh, when you make a few mistakes, they do just get magnified because there's no one else on your team to uh, to really pick up that slack. But moving over to the MPO. Now, I want to talk about my pick. So I picked Drew Gibson as a little bit of an outfield because I said, you know, USDGC, it, it sort of uh, it pulls up a couple of strange winners. And not strange in, is that they're not good at disc golf. We've obviously had Barsby and we've had incredible players win it. But strange as is, it's not always the people that are winning week on week win USDGC. Um, so I picked Drew Gibson. Now, he didn't win, obviously. I think a lot of the listeners will know that. But he had a good week. And it just shows that the wonderful sort of nature this event has. I believe he came in fifth, but I and would be surprised was third. There you go, third. So even even better, my pick. Um, and uh, and he had an ace as well. And I think most people by now would have seen his ace on seven, probably one of the most infamous holes out there on a out there at Winthrop. Um, so yeah, it just shows that really anyone on the card can sort of go out there and have a great weekend. And someone that did have a really good weekend was Kyle Klein, before we talk about the winner, because he absolutely smashed it. Um, you know, he he went out there, he had some he had some balls about him. You know, he proper, um, he got down there and took Macbeth to a playoff. Um, you know, he had the chance of running it at the end. Um but he didn't. He uh, he hit the cage um, and left himself a par, which meant he pushed Macbeth to have to make something special. Um, 
And could I tell you what that thing was? No, I couldn't because Disc Golf Network went down and I couldn't watch it. So I had to rely on Twitter constantly refreshing, telling me that he made an absolute beautiful 60 meter putt to then force him to have to play um, an incredible 18. Could I watch the 18th? No, I couldn't. Because again, there was no Disc Golf Network. It went down. Um, and then it got to the playoff and um, Port Beth, what did Port Beth do? Oh, that's right. I couldn't tell you because Disc Golf Network went down. So I had to rely on Twitter again. But thank God for post-production because at least I got to see it at some point. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, nothing was ever going to be perfect, right? Because fundamentally, people were, from the start, they were paying $25 to watch it. And we know, speaking to Jonathan on the show a few weeks ago, that that's based on old contracts and moving forward, they're going to hopefully give it, give like this event included in the, uh, in in your yearly subscription. So uh, I think people maybe won't be sharpening the pickaxes quite so early on. Uh, and obviously, any issue is always going to go down at one point. There's always going to be issues. Well, why that people point? Complaining. It was extremely unfortunate. My guess is a lot of the people sort of text their mates being like, mate, you're not watching this. And a lot of people suddenly jumped on. Maybe there were some server issues. No, there was a spike in, they have put an email out and there was a spike in sort of people watching it. But what a time to go down. Um, well, one thing I would have liked and one thing I think was in their power is that they could of prolong the playoff until this it was sorted. But then I think you're really messing with the sort of the integrity of the sport itself. Obviously, Macbeth would have like I mean, we've been in tournaments where there's backups, right? Imagine going to playoff, you're feeling great, you're hitting putts, and then you're told that you've got to wait an hour for streams to come back up. Mm. No, you're an athlete. So I get it from both sides. Now I do want to go back to Carl Klein very quickly because he what a season he's had and people that care about him people that are hanging out with him on tour have been posting about him relentlessly this week because what an achievement to hit seventh and push Macbeth arguably the greatest that's playing the game at the moment to to a multi-hole playoff um we saw Eagle Book Man put a little teaser post out saying maybe it's time for him to go up to the Sky team which I would be very surprised if he's not up there moving into next season because I mean Look at what he's doing on tour. He's doing no less than Lazot or Eagle currently in terms of the uh, the performance that he's putting in. Um, and I don't think there's anyone else on Discmania currently that is hitting. So I don't think it'd be a battle between him and, say, Colt Montgomery or, or, or Nate Perkins. I think he is a massive standout for, um, for that promotion into the Sky team. And I hope he gets it because uh, he's someone that we would love to have on the show and someone that we just love watching play disc golf. Yeah, and I think he's sort of the Discmania version of Ezra. You know, Ezra got promoted straight to elite team um, from being a multi-bag sponsor. I really feel that Discmania can take that jump with Carl Clown, who's a young player coming into the sport. You know, their Sky team is young, but they could be three of the best disc golfers out there. Um, so I'd like to see him promoted next season. I honestly think he deserves it and he's proved himself time and time again that he can do it. I'd be interested to see what Disky gets as well because obviously um, Discmania had a bit more option when they were producing the Innova. They had sort of a lot more moulds that they could stamp various pros and, and, and graphics onto. 
now they've limited their molds and they're releasing discs slowly. Yes, they've mentioned that the sort of the Cloud Breakers are going to be released, the Iron Samurai is going to be released, but I think it was the MD5 that Carl Klein has had a, as a sort of a tour series or celebratory mm, disc. Last he year. had his he had his Rookie of the Year on it, but I don't know if you've seen it. They have just released um, that on the 13th of October. His Midnight Owl or Howl is coming out. Um, it's going to be an orange, a Meta Instinct, a Meta uh, Orange Origin. So okay, that's so they, going yeah, to be going his signature of, uh... disc of this year. The MD5 wasn't so much a signature disc; it was more of a commemorative disc for getting Rookie of the Year last year. Um, so yeah, his, his signature series is coming out, which is interesting. Um, I think that we won't see Eagles or Simons come out until Mystery Boxes. I think they'll start to be scattered in this box. So I think there is a date on Cloudbreakers. I'd have to double check, but um, I think I, I think this mainly has this amazing wizarding power to be able to basically anything they make it sells out because their fan base is just insane. Um, the well, the Razor Claw came out in um, mystery boxes two years ago, so the Razor true. Claw, and then the Tilt came out last year in the mystery box. And we're seeing, and we are, and what by what you're saying as well, we're seeing um, them using the Latitude produced discs as tourist series. I believe yeah. Zen is someone's tour series, which yeah. is in essence. That um, will be Nate Perkins. So he's left the uh, Glow FD3, Night Strike. Um, so that's now, yeah, he's got the essence in that. So I think they are really, I think because they can outproduce it. And they haven't got to worry about they're gonna their original lines, their original original lines. Obviously, Cloud Breakers are DD3, um, etc. And Simon's uh Sky God is P2, is it? And and anyone that's listening to this and and, and hasn't switched off, oh, they just started talking about discs and dismania. Dale's knowledge of dismania is impressive for a man that hasn't touched a dismania disc in probably half a year so it, like you know what it's, to keep up to date with it that just shows what running a podcast uh yeah <laughs> means you gotta, you gotta keep your ears to the ground gotta keep your ears to the ground but, but dale we need to stop talking about dysmania and move over to mvp because this week's guest is probably as i said the greatest sidearm thrower she she is one of the best yeaters of frisbees as i said at the beginning uh, that we've got over on the fpo and that of course is sarah hokum um we had a great chat with her um i don't really want to babble anymore let's just jump over to that conversation and uh, see what she has to say ladies and gentlemen sarah hokum is on the am side sarah how are you doing i'm doing great last week uh, of tour um just looking forward to the pro tour finale here next weekend not, I mean, a nice, well-deserved bit of rest. Yeah, well, I work in the off-season, so I won't get as much uh, rest as some of my competitors, but I'll definitely take some weeks. Well, hey, that makes it even more impressive when you're doing what you're doing out on tour. Um, so as of time of recording, you just finished third at the Throw, uh, throw Pink winning, winning, uh, Women's event. Sorry, I've lost all my words. Uh, so, and I think that's just one of the many incredible finishes you've had all season. But just in case there's anyone that doesn't know who Sarah Hokum is listening to this show, which if you don't, shame on you. Sarah, can you give a little introduction into who is Sarah Hokum, not in the philosophical sense, but in the disc golf sense? Sure. Yeah, um, I am I'm an FBO, current FBO player. I've been playing for about 15 years. I've been touring for 13 of those years. Um, I won a world title in 2012. 
Um, that was following up a lot of national tour wins in 2011. And then I won women's nationals in 2013 and in 2016. Um, and I've been touring ever since. And I throw a lot of forehands. <laughs> you do throw a lot of forehands. That is that is very true. Um, so, I mean, you've had quite a decorated career. You said 2012 world champion. Um, so I think we've only had a few world champions on the podcast. So it's, we're, an, we're an honour to have you. Um, so let's, let's start really, at well, MVP, you know, cause that is, that is you, that is where you are at the moment. Uh, what's mm-hmm. it like being on MVP? What was that decision to go with MVP? And yeah, what's that sort of journey been like with a disc golf brand that really does push the limits of, of, of science and disc golf? Yeah, their tagline is they're leading, they're the leading edge in disc golf technology. And that's a little pun on their, uh, their unique um, rim design. So they have a weighted rim in all of their MVP and Axiom line of discs um, that increase, increases the gyroscopic nature of the Frisbee. So it'll fly a little bit longer and will also have more of a forward fade rather than a lateral fade. And um, playing for them is amazing. They're, I really enjoy their scientific approach to disc golf flights and their scientific approach to design. You know, they, they do a lot of test runs and the owners are very uh, kind of nerdy in a good way. So that's always fun. I'm kind of, I used to teach high school science. So I kind of, I follow that same um, train of uh, logic as they do. So it's very refreshing. And um, yeah, they, they're definitely the best company I've ever worked with. They're a huge variety of molds to choose from. Um, and they're very just um, transparent with their communication with me. And um, it's really just been a pleasure to work with them. And I'm excited for the future. They're, you know, they're just starting to blow up, especially with Conrad winning Worlds this last year. And um, we're, we can't get this right now because just can't get them. They're just all sold out, which is a good problem. No, no idea Conrad won Worlds. I didn't hear about that oh, at all. Spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm joking. It was, uh, it was all that my Instagram was for about a week. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I think... Uh, I think the players within MVP match the team so well because we've talked about in the past MVP being that sort of that technical, dare I say, geeky side of the sport. You know, it's the it's all about the science, all about the flight. Um, and I think a lot of the players match that in the way they play as well as the discs they throw. I think you're an incredibly technical player. You take it step by step. I think uh, Hayley King uh, recently when she uh, she took the top spot, you came second, she said that, you weren't going to make a mistake. So she had to do something exceptional to win. Um, and, and I think that's how a lot of people see, see it when they come against you. You're, that must be the, the, your game plan, right? That's not, that's not perceptions that other players have. That must be the way you go into playing disc golf. Yeah, I would agree with her, you know, in general. I mean, I certainly have my off weeks where I can't find my angles and it's, you know, frustrating. But I then on those days, I, you know, rely on my approach game to get me close to the basket. Um, and I usually don't do too much damage to my rating or my placement, um, but I'm probably not going to win a tournament on those weekends. Um, but yeah, I take a very analytical approach to the game. I don't, I'm not a flashy player. Um, I really, you know, try to play within my abilities and um, oftentimes I play for par, even though I may be able to get the birdie, but I, I like to, you know, analyze the risk reward equation 
um, to make those decisions and try to keep it as simple as possible because easy shots are easy to throw. I think that's incredibly um, incredible useful advice for people also in sort of the the lower levels, so the people coming through disc golf that are trying to do something too crazy. I know being in the uh, MA3 division this year, the players that have won every single tournament are the ones that play sensibly. They don't try and shoot for the moon. They don't try and recreate what Eagle McMahon's doing. They play sensible disc golf. They they put so much sort of weight on approach shots and putting and just playing through, going through the stages. Um, and I think you're the testament to, if you take that through to the top level, it's going to keep working for you. Now, you did mention gyro a minute ago, and we've uh, we spoke we've spoken MVP on the on the show before, and I've written the question here as gyro fact or fiction. Now I know there's the science behind it, but do you think it gives you like like MVP say that leading edge, or do you think it's great marketing and it draws in the sort of the scientific the nerds as I say? How much difference do you think that gyro tech makes? I think it makes a significant difference, but more so on the lower speed discs. A lot of people think that, okay, it's going to go farther and they pick out a, you know, a 14 and a half speed disc and they expect it to make a big difference in their game. And you actually lose gyro on those high speed drivers. So like, for instance, like I throw for as far as like a mid speed, I throw like a relay and a crave, which are both like six and a half speeds but they fly like a nine speed because of the gyro, right? They, like, they will go as far as a faster disc because they stay in the air longer. Same thing with like the Envy that Conrad throws. You know, all of our putters and mids, they go farther than, and, and fairways, they all go farther than any, of a, any comparable disc I've ever thrown in those categories. So like as the rim gets wider, more of the rim extends into the center, which negates part of the gyro technology. So the ones that have a thin rim are going to have more of the weight and less um, counterweight um, going into the center of the disc. So I think especially for the lower speed discs, yes, it makes a significant difference. Like I don't have to throw really fast discs to get good distance, which is great because then, you know, you can throw an easier to throw disc you don't have to like, there's not as much lateral movement in lower speed discs. Um, so you don't have to try to judge um, the lateral movement of the flight as, as closely. And you don't have to be as precise because it's not going to move off the line as much. So then you can still throw a low speed disc, but get the distance you need um, to get in position for your next shot. So would you say that where MVP can really help other players is those lower arm speed players, those players that aren't thrown as far because obviously the gyro technology in those lower speed mid ranges and fairway drivers are going to help that, uh, that amateur player throw further. You know, if they grabbed a sort of a seven speed stalker, for example, for disc graph, whereas you could throw a six and a half speed, but you're throwing it further. Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. But it doesn't just, you know, the advantage doesn't just apply to the, to an amateur player. It certainly applies to every level, you know, being able to utilize a lower speed disc for a similar flight is always an advantage. Absolutely. Well, we certainly saw Conrad uh, use his MD to do some, something quite impressive at Worlds recently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man, I, that shot still gives me chills when I watch it. Uh, I remember watching it live and I was, I was throwing it because it was like 
he had if he hadn't made that shot, obviously it'd been completely different. But like the fact that he made that exact shot from where he was, he was out of position and stuff. Um, I think we'll be talking about that shot outside of disc golf and inside of disc golf for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So talking about um obviously things that people do well, one thing uh, that you do really well, Sarah, is your sidearm. Um, arguably I'd say you've probably got the best sidearm in the FPO uh, scene out of the FPO field. Um, you know, that's one thing that when I first started, I found actually I can throw sidearm further than anything, and I've really worked on my sidearm. So, what was it you that you had and thought once you, once you're starting disc golf, you thought, Do you know what, sidearm for me is 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 a strong part of my game. Yeah, so I mean, I started out trying to throw both ways, and I just really picked up the sidearm easily. I have a softball background from high school, so that I think has a lot. I was an infielder, so, you know, shortstop to first base, really similar t- style of setup. So I think that just came really, really natural. And then as I'm working through the backhand, you know, I'm just missing shots. It's not comfortable. I'm not getting power. I can't figure out how to situate my body properly. And then about a year or two after I started playing and I was still mostly forehand, but I was really working on the backhand also. Um, one of the top um, like grandmasters in Michigan, he also throws sidearms, primarily Mark Ellis. And he just told me, he goes, you know what? Just stick to the sidearm. You don't have to throw a lot of backhands. This dude can be successful. Just do what works for you. And I took that a little maybe too far. Um, but, (laughs) um, so I kind of just kept, just kept figuring out how to throw a sidearm, you know, in, on a backhand line and figure out how to throw the sidearm in all the different, um, molds and, and speeds. And, um, eventually got to the point where I was like, man, I don't, you know, I don't really need a backhand if I can do these things, then, you know, maybe five, six years later, I was like, well, I really need a backhand because <laughs> <laughs> the shot I'm trying to throw here is infinitely more difficult than the shot that uh, I could throw if I could just even throw a workable backhand. So, um, yeah, so then I kind of got back on board, but it's still, you know, it's still so uncomfortable and I'm getting there with it. It's still just not good enough most of the time to bust it out in tournaments, but I practice it regularly. Um, usually spend my off day throwing backhands and don't throw sidearms to give my body a little rest. And uh, yeah, it's coming along. I'm really excited about it. It's gotten just a little bit better every year. And I'm hoping to dedicate a bit more of my off season practice to getting that in shape. And I've got a coach lined up that's going to help me in Dallas. And I'm hoping that uh, I can come out throwing it a little bit better next year. I fear for the FPO season, uh, the FPO sort of uh, the whole card when they realise that Sarah Hogan's got the, the best forehand and the best backhand in, in, in FPO. I'm sure it's, I'm sure <laughs> <Well>, it's coming. <laughs> um, I think I'm a little late to the party to ever have the best backhand. <laughs> okay. um, but I do want to be able to throw it a little bit better than I can right now. Well, I, I think um, I, I think look, looking at sort of uh, footage be throwing, it's one thing you do with your forehand is you can throw it dead straight. So a lot of people can throw a forehand and they rely on it as the large sort of right finishing hyzers or sort of the, the, the flex lines. But I uh, sort of admire the way that you throw it almost like a back backhand. It's it's it comes out your hand dead straight or it flips up dead straight and it will just go in that line. So I think you use a forehand slightly different to, to most similar to um sort of to come back to him how conrad never never really throws a forehand he throws a back he's backhand dominated so he he plays different to a lot of the other people we see out there in the field 
So I think you definitely utilize that forehand more than, or in different ways than anyone else in the FPO, because you can shape those shots beyond just using it as a, okay, the basket finishes to the right, I need to get it to the right, I'm going to throw a forehand. Um, and what you said there about uh, having sort of softball background makes a lot of sense, because something that I think you're definitely known for is your form as well. It's slightly say, it's different shaped and slightly different form to a lot of the other forehand players. But someone that I can draw comparisons to is Chris Clemens, who, who said he has a baseball background, again, being, uh, being a fielder. So it's that very low, a lot of the momentum, it's, I guess, the training you get from playing those sports has been brought into disc golf quite heavily. I would say for sure, you know, like as an athlete, I didn't ever play any Frisbee sports as um, in my earlier years, but I played all the other ones. And, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, you're on your toes, you're playing defense, your, you know, hands are out in front of you. Um, you're kind of in a bent over stance being ready to move in any direction at any time. And I really think that that is a lot of the reason why I set up the way I do. And it's also, I think, been a little bit of a hindrance for how to set up a backhand throw, you know, because you really have to be more upright. And I realized it a couple of years ago that, I mean, volleyball was actually my main sport. And um, so like the flexing of the traps and being ready, like out in front of you, like your body is mostly on your toes. Um, so that actually, I realized I was having trouble like gaining power because of that just natural athletic or that natural defensive stance that I was in for however many years, 20 years or something prior to this. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's been, it, I mean, I, I would never take back any of my athletic background because I know that that's been a huge thing, but if I had learned to throw Frisbees, uh, when I was younger, I think, uh, I think I'd have a better back end. <laughs> It reminds me, Rob, though, when we first started. I remember when we first started playing, um, and I know you won't mind me saying this, you know, you didn't really have a forehand. You know, it, it, it was there, but it wasn't as good as your backhand. But then equally, I my backhand was not very good. You know, I was relying a lot more on forehand, and obviously we've helped each other. But we've both come from very different sports, haven't we, in terms of obviously what we're probably used to and that muscle memory, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, together we would make a fantastic disc golf player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your backhand and my forehand would be all right. But um, the makings, well. the makings of a great doubles team. Well, there you go. We argue too much in the golf course. It would work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, your form, as you said, you've worked on so far, and it's helped you win a world title. So you know, the fact you're thinking about progressing your backhand now. Um, nine years after winning the world title, you know, shows how much you, you're progressing for that sport anyway. And um, you're very well known in the sport of, of your accomplishments. You've had a few aces. Now, you had one at Worlds. Does your ace at Worlds feel different to a normal ace? You know, is it that little bit more special? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, acing at a tournament like that on the big stage, especially just because the cameras are there. You know, I mean, I have another ace that's on camera and got on ESPN from a couple years ago in San Francisco. Um, and so it definitely feels better when you can actually see it afterwards, you know, get when you have it on video. Um, and the fact that, you know, it matters that it's in a big tournament. I would say it's not much like Worlds versus like a big Pro Tour event. That's not like, there's not that much difference, you know, but um just the fact that it's more likely to be on film is pretty fun yeah I feel a bit sorry for Hayley King this year 
Um, because she eagled 18, I think, at uh, was it uh, Great Lakes Open or somewhere, and it wasn't being filmed. Um, it wasn't uh. filmed, and uh, so no one got to see it. We only heard about it, but it, it no one could see the glory and the greatness of that shot. So I think you're right. Once you can watch back on it and over and over again, um, you know that that would be that, that's great. And thank God for um, sort of after coverage because I would have missed the whole of whole 17 at uh, USCGC this week had it not been for after coverage as the uh, pay per view went down. So I was sat in bed. Yeah. Thinking, Where is it? I need it. Oh uh, yeah, that was such terrible timing for that to happen. But you know. That's that's life. That's 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 live sport for you. Isn't we, it? <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, yeah, it, I'm glad that definitely glad that there's post production and um, also the fact that ESPN picked up both those aces is pretty cool because then you know people around the world can kind of see it who may not have really seen disc golf and also it's great to represent females who play disc golf on the big stage. You know, a lot of times the guys will get aces and they have more coverage. Um, but yeah, yeah, throw a fake. Woohoo. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the world seeing a female throw a frisbee and, you know, get an ace and be featured like that is really cool. Well, I had friends that don't know who you are. They don't know what disc golf is really, but they know that I like throwing frisbees into baskets over a park. And they they sent me your videos of your ace that they were seeing on Instagram Reels or TikTok or whatever. <laughs> they're really old there whatever the kids are listening to these days um but like uh i had friends sending me videos of grace being like hey if you've seen this you might be interested and my response was, <laughs> of course i've seen it it was it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've watched it 20 times um so the fact that you're absolutely right the fact that cameras are there just cements that in sort of discovered history and it makes you think the amount of shots we missed out on and the sort of the sort of Elaine Kings and the Ken Climos and the sort of the incredible things they were doing that like an iceberg, probably less than 5% of what they were doing was caught on coverage. Um, so it just makes you think about the, the wonderful disc golf we have missed, but we're moving forward and hopefully we'll capture a lot more in the future. Yeah. Also at that particular round at Worlds that I aced, I aced the final hole um, and I had been struggling. My angles were off. And I was just trying to get off the course because I was just, the wheels were about to come off. And I was like, I got to hit the field. And then I just threw that disc and it went in. I was like, oh, that's so, so great. It was like such a relief. And then I had to run like half a mile to get it out of the basket, which was fun. So, so like, like it must be quite a strange thing because obviously no one prepares to ace and no one, so no one prepares to celebrate an ace and do the run. I think some of my favorite moments are, players running towards the basket they don't really know what's happened and they're kind of celebrating and running sort of what's going through your mind at that time are people telling you to to run and you're not really sure what to do like because obviously it's a strange experience which not a lot of people get to to get to experience yeah it was kind of the initial shock that went in and then I think I jumped like in the air in celebration and then my card mates gave me the love and then I was like well I guess I better go get that and so then I took off the net. <laughs> well, that's it. And then I was really, I was really hoping I could run the whole way too, because I realized how far it was, and I was like, ah, okay, it, I had enough adrenaline that it wasn't too bad. I mean, that was far, right? But I watched a throw-in eagle on five on USCGC this weekend, and they ran round the corner to the basket. Now that's a good three, four hundred meter run. I mean, um, yeah, probably. I would. I wish they would have jumped in and swam across. That would have been cool. 
Yeah, we spoke with uh, <laughs> we spoke with Jonathan Paul uh, a couple of weeks back, and apparently it's very frowned upon. So, <laughs> but oh. <laughs> that's exactly what I would have done. I'd have been straight in the might, water. Might be worth it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> oh, brilliant. But um, I mean, looking forward to sort of we're coming to the end of the season now. Um, you know, we've had a long. This is our first season on the podcast. So, Rob, we're coming to the end of, of that. And we're coming to the end of our Ooh. first proper... Because, obviously, the way me and Rob got into disc golf last year, we were halfway through the season. This is our first full disc golf season where we've watched it to uh, to the max. What's, what's the what's the vibe like on tour now? Now it's finished. We've got one one thing left. Are people excited for the off-season? Um, do you think we're going to see any big movements this year? I think you're going to see some movement, um, but I don't really know, honestly. I mean, I'm really happy where I'm at. Um, and a lot of people have signed multi-year deals now. Um, so I think a lot of players are locked in. However, there is still the buyout possibilities. And I think we will see some of that. Um, there's a lot of opportunity in the sport. So people are going to be pushing that, their contracts to the limit as well. Um, I don't know about the movement, honestly. I haven't even thought about it. I'm always, I'm, I'm always late to the party anyway. <laughs> I think somebody's still sponsored by somebody they were sponsored by six years ago. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're not anymore. Okay. What do you throw now? Like it's, I mean, it's so much of like a, a nod of a thing to me. Like I don't carry any like, um, like tribalism with my team or something, you know, I'm like, oh, you're not on the team MVP. We're not friends. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't subscribe to any of that. So um, I'm just, want, I just want all the players to be happy where they're at and be in a good position and um, uh, have good relationships with their sponsors. I think that's really important. So you don't think Paul um, Best yeah. will be moving? That would be a very weird move. Imagine I that. Would almost get, I would almost guarantee he's not going to move. Um, but who knows? I, I mean, I don't think for him, but no. I think there's a lot of, high-profile players that could Definitely. could potentially switch even if they're in the middle of um, their their contract but the vibe on tour is like everybody's pretty burnt you know yeah. i mean especially at music city open i can't tell you the number of people that were just like like trudging along in their practice rounds or just you know just couldn't you know just couldn't even handle it anymore because we just had such a you know it's packed full of action and there's so many great tournaments now especially in the states i'm sorry for you guys overseas uh, i'm sure you have great events there we hope that you know you can come join us and we can join you next year um so it's been it's people have been i think really burnt out but you know usdgc is an invigorating place to be and they just put on a really great show and the, you know as a player you you have everything you could ever need you know we have this dedicated practice area where nobody else can go you know, they had, you know, tons of um, like snacks and food and all these things complimentary. We got, we get a ride up to the whole one, you know, every right at their end back, you know, you're not necessarily bombarded by spectators trying to get to your tea, your tea time. There's opportunities for spectators to interact after the round. Um, there's a whole player's village um, where you go get more food, complimentary food and beverages. The players packs are just crazy huge like we got so many things in our players packs um it just you know, really feel like it you, you know that it's special that you're there so i and then cap on top of that the pro tour finale which is going to have the biggest payout in history 
Boom. You know, I mean, and matching payout for women as exactly. well. Exactly. That's what huge, I was about to say. It's it's, it's it's massive. And Rob, do you not think it's so nice to hear? Obviously, we had the TD of um, TPWGGC and the USCGC a couple of weeks back. And do you not think it is so nice that everything they said, you know, what makes them different, you know, is exactly what Sarah's just said there. You know, everything they said is exactly what happened. 100%. That's exactly what I was just thinking while Sarah was sort of singing the praises. They, 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 I think what makes those events so special is the amount of effort they put into it, not just to make it a great spectators event, but to make it good to play. Uh, so it's fantastic to hear that sort of uh, echoed through what you've just said, Sarah. Um, although a little bit, a little bit concerned because they said that their player packs weren't too special. So you're giving a slightly opposing view there. So maybe, uh, maybe it depends <laughs> on who you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't usually get players packs as a pro person, um, which is probably appropriate. You know, most of us would rather any extra funds go into the actual payout because you know we don't necessarily need a, you know, I don't need a star McConney. Like, <laughs> you know, um, however, it is a nice little perk and it's some, some like kind of swag that I can give away to people um, for as thank yous. Well, we know that uh, we love our Fro Pink swag. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, most photos of me, I'm wearing something Fro Pink. I mean, Dale's wearing his hat right now. So there you go. It's, uh, it's, we're very proud to be wearing it. So uh, I know they do some really trendy stuff. Yeah, and also I got to shout out Sarah Nicholson for Throw Pink. Um, she works on this all year, and she's always looking for good input, and she delivers on on what what you know the best she can do, and it's it's a great event. So I'm really stoked that and and the fact that it's a qualify only event featuring the pro women um, is also you know something to just work for, work work towards, and I'm hoping that a lot of women are inspired to try to qualify next year. Well, hey, we uh we had our throw pink month this month, uh, so we worked with them, and we got uh those of you guys from the FPO on, and we chatted to you because something that is happening over here in the UK is the FPO side is growing at an incredible rate. We saw disc golf this year grow at an incredible rate, regardless across males and females. But this year, there's some people over in the UK doing some really big things, moving into next year to try and grow the female side of the sport. So we we at the AM side want to try and help that as much as possible. So we always want to give a voice to uh, to people on the FBO because really, I think, I mean, I mean, it is half the sport. It's very easy to people to say, oh, there's the MPO and then there's the FBO and people have their opinions on if they prefer watching one or the other. But you can't have the world disc golf. You can't have the pro tour without both sides. Um, so it's important to talk about both equally as far as we're concerned. Yeah, when you if you can see it or hear it, you could be it, you know, like if you don't ever see if people are not exposed to women ever playing, then women who see the sport are never going to think it's for them. So that's it's been a huge that to me has been one of the biggest things that has changed the culture in the sport has been the amount of coverage that women are getting and the impact that's had on the pro division, the female pro divisions. You know, one of the one of the up and comers, Stacey Ronsley, recently kind of just had a we had a conversation about it and she said the reason why she started playing was because she watched FPO play and she's like, wait, I could do that. And that was the inspiration she needed in order to commit to the sport and, you know, get her game in shape. So I think, you know, if we want more people to play at a high level, we just got to keep working at it and showing them that it's possible. This golf starts at grassroots, you know, without amateurs, we wouldn't have a pro tour. So without someone thinking, you know, we have to really grow the sport from the ground up. 
and that is where something that we we are different. You know, we did do that FPA month, and we took um, you know our sort of following and our listener background was was ninety five percent male, and you know we wanted to do something and change that, and it's now it, it, it's going up. It's now seventy thirty, so up to thirty percent women, and we just want to build and build on that. Um, so we have a very very good relationship with Throw Pink, and we'll, we're going to carry on with that because we want to support that. And, you know, we supported the uh, Women's UK Disc Golf Association to sort of help them out and we'll continue to build on it because, um, as Rob said, there is, there's two sides of the sport and without one, you haven't got the other. Yeah, and, you know, with um, with getting people involved in um, as, as women in general, you know, like there are, there's so much opportunity and so many women are just intimidated by just the the maleness of the whole thing that it's you know we don't want 50 percent of the population of the world to miss out on something that could change their life for the better and that's where I really think disc golf you know whether it's exercise community um you know passion whatever it is I mean playing this sport has you know enriched my life tremendously and I know it can be that way for other people. And we just don't want to leave out that part of the population from being exposed to it um, and have those opportunities to improve themselves in a multitude of ways. You know, disc golf is not only does it, is it great to be outdoors and great for the competitive nature, but mentally, you know, the fact that, you know, controlling your emotions and controlling your thought processes and learning how to, you know, play, play against a course alongside your competitor you know, I mean, I came from team sports and it was always against, it was like my team against you, you guys, you know? And so it was a great shift um, over my first couple of years to really learn how to enjoy my competitors without being playing against them, you know? Um, so that was a really good shift from team sports to a, a solo sport. And that's taught me a lot about just social interaction and community and community, um, and community so um yeah that it's 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 awesome like, <laughs> that's all i can say <laughs> although i still like to think that uh just before you tee off you point to the rest of your card and go you're all going down <laughs> never <laughs> <laughs> now, so every every per, uh, everyone that comes on the on the podcast uh, gets my questions um so they're, they're quick fire questions it puts you on a spot a bit and it just gets to know you a bit of what your likes and dislikes are around on, on on the tour so it's you and three other people on the card um any person in the world who you choose them i'm gonna go with callie mcmorin i'm gonna go with raven newsome and man, I think I want somebody old school. Climo, duh. <laughs> so what, what's your reason behind them? You know, what makes that such a good card? Well, I've never gotten to play around with Climo, so that would be awesome just because he's, you know, a huge champion. Because <laughs> he's climbing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Raven, he's just like he's like my little brother on tour. So it's always just we always have fun joking around and um, and then also Callie, she's like my little sister on tour. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, we always, we're always joking around and I, mostly it's for laughs. That's what it's for. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so obviously every year there's, there's tons of tournaments, etc. but which one sticks out to you of being, uh, your favorite of the year? MVP open, pretty easy choice. That's the first big tournament I ever played. 
um, as a pro and it's got lots of nostalgia for me. I love Steve Dodge and his family and I love the property and I would stay on site and enjoy all the festivities. There's some other ones that are pretty far up there as well, though. MVP, that course to me, Maple Hill is just one of those courses that are just, it's, it's different gear. Every time I drive into that property, I just feel like I'm home. Yeah. A lot of people say that. You're like, right, I can relax now. I'm at, I'm at Maple Hill. And then, until you get to, until you <laughs> throw the shots over the water. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, you're like, oh, oh no, that's a good. And then the contrary <laughs> to that, um, which would be your least favorite on tour? Oh, man. Sorry, um, DDO. I really don't like that place. I love, I love Emporia. Yep. And I love the people at Emporia. And DD does a really good job putting on the event. I just really don't like the courses. I feel like they're really boring. I just throw the same disc over and over and over again. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. It's just not. And then you have to deal with the wind. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not looking forward to Worlds there next year, unfortunately. See, uh, Dale, uh, <laughs> these pros never give us like, that, like, opportunities to try and make beef so Sarah was so nice there about apologizing to DDO but she doesn't like the event I want the headline of Sarah Oakham hates dynamic discs <laughs> <laughs> but, but ever, ever, everyone's always too nice about each other so uh no Jeremy I mean just, <laughs> there's so many good people like Jeremy and um Jeremy Roscoe and Doug Birkus I mean they're such good people you know like I love Paige his daughter and then Jeremy like he's always been a solid person and like a couple years ago my dog got injured during the event and he like called in to check in on my dog and like just really kind kind behavior so what do you say you know i'm sorry i don't like your courses but (laughs) (laughs) well maybe the next guest will get some interesting drama out of but um so everyone after dealing with dale's questions deals with one more from me um and it's more me demanding a story so a big part of disc golf is losing discs now i know you guys you pros out on tour maybe don't don't have as much emotional connection to all your discs because you probably get given them in a big bag but can you tell us a story about a time that you've lost a disc that really meant something to you mm, yeah it was women's nationals 2015 you had to throw over this corner of water onto this peninsula and i threw one of my favorite outlaws in there and it was so nasty. I went in after it and it was like just murky water with like, you know, like mucky bottom. And I looked for like 30 minutes and never found it. It never came. I, it, it never came back actually either. So yeah, that's one I really miss. You know what? Also, um, I did a clinic um, in New Hampshire last year and it was my favorite trace. And I threw it in the clinic, like just showing sidearm form. I left it out there and I never got it back. Oh, they're the ones that sting the most, the ones that you just leave it uh, and then you come back and you can't find it again. I had a yeah. uh, I I had one of my favorite drivers that I just it's always the second shot in practice as well. You throw one more shot, you pick up your first shot, and then you walk off and because you don't you mentally you forget that you've thrown a second. The amount of times I've lost my second shot in the course just because I haven't been in the right headspace, it's uh, always stings. Yeah, every almost every one of my practice rounds, I'm throwing multiples. I never like keep score or anything, but it's usually the ones where I just completely miss my line. 
Um, you know, I may throw five discs and the one that just like hit first tree, that's the one I'm leaving behind for sure. Uh, <laughs> for the same reason, it's like you just forgot about it. And that's a good, it's a good thing to forget about bad shots, but um, not the disc that you threw. So I think, I think most pros lose their discs when they just leave them behind because of the multiple throwing off the tee. Um, well, like that gives me a really good idea because if every time you hit a tree with a disc, you discarded that disc, you'd be left with a bag of discs that have never hit trees before. And surely that's the <laughs> best bag, right? <laughs> <laughs> Completely unscathed. <laughs> yeah. No, I, when it comes to throwing over water as well, I have the strategy where I rarely throw a disc over water that I could lose that I care about. So a lot of times, especially at Maple Hill, I'll be throwing brand new brand new brand new plastic of my favorite molds so that I don't have a relationship with the disc. And if I lose it, it's like, it's okay. I have another one that I could just throw in there. Um, I never like to throw my favorites over water. So that, that's like the opposite to us, Rob, because we... We, we won't throw a brand new disc over water because I don't want to lose a brand new disc. So I'll be looking for the the oldest, most beat up disc in my bag that I don't care about losing. But like, I, I wouldn't be, imagine like, actually that, that takes you back to Essex Open, Rob, where I did lose a first run scorch like the second time I threw it over the water. So actually, my point is valid. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, if I have a super beat in disc that I don't care about, um, I'll throw that over water. But I rarely don't care about stuff I've had for a while because I like them. The be- the more beat they are, the better. You mm. know, like I would just give all my brand new discs to somebody else to beat them in and then give them back to me and I'll trade you for some new ones. That's hey, Kim, Kim to Dale. He hits every tree. So they will, they will Perfect. come back flippy as anything. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I just love how they, you know, they fly after they've been seasoned. Definitely. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the AM side. As I said, you've got a great UK following and um, everyone's going to love uh, listening to what you've got to say uh, about the season and, and how it's gone so far. So um, why don't you take this time to plug um, everything you've got out there so everyone can go and give you a follow, like, share, whatever. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm really bad at social media. So <laughs> disclaimer, um, but I do have accounts on um, Instagram and um, Facebook. So follow me there. Um, and then I got a shout out to MVP Disports. Of course, we talked about them quite a bit, but I also have other supporters. Um, I work with Zuka Inc. They've been great over the years, make a great product. Um, I love to pull my cart, takes the weight off my back. And then um, also Paragon Disc Golf. Miles over there, he does great work. Do any of the printing you need for as a TD or any kind of um, apparel that you need done. Um, really does a great job and just a really good person. Um, and then mitten bags. You guys seen those uh, little Michigan shaped uh, little birdie bags? Yeah, so those are those are great. Um, Samantha over there is just a sweetheart and has put out my brand new logo on the first ever product. Um, and they're shaped like, they're shaped like a hand, like Michigan. Um, but you can also kind of like shake hands and make affirmations with your own birdie bag to yourself. What I like to do, um, (laughs) in order to to work through the mental game. So, um, yeah. And it gives you something to play with out there. So great for the, it's got clay and, um, the clay, like it's clay and broken up clay. So it's already worked in for you. So you don't have to like beat them in. They're already ready. Um, yeah, so that's, I'm sure there's, I'm probably missing a few people, but um, no, I think that's it. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, also the NADDT, I'm one of the players for that, um, the National Amateur Disc Golf Tournament, which is going to happen at the end of this month in Austin, Texas. I will be there. So if anybody listening will be there, come by and say hi. And also give me some, give me some love this next week at the finale. I'm going to need all the luck I can get and I'm going to go out there and do my best. We'll see. That's what I was just about to say. So, I mean, everyone needs to go over there, flood you or flood your Instagram with messages of support for the, uh, the, the pro tour flies coming up. Um, we're going to give our best wishes right now. So from me and Dale, have a great couple of days. We will be following both on live coverage and UDISC. Um, and we just uh, wish you all the success. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're going to do it. You're going to smash it, right? you got, you got confidence. You know, something. I'm going to do something. I just like <laughs> to keep it one shot at a time. And we'll see. I already have a bye to the semis, so I'll be competing against eight other people on Saturday morning and hopefully making it to that Sunday final. Someone's I missed the finals last year. <laughs> right? I mean, why not me? Exactly. That'd make for a little, that'd make for a little different offseason for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, um, Sarah, thank you so much. Uh, as Rob said, good luck. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak to you. We'll speak to you soon. That, that would be great. Thank you, Dale and Rob. You guys are great. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the listeners out there watching, listening. Wow, Sarah there. I, 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 I You know what I'm doing a bit now, but I was a little bit babbly, a little bit. <laughs> maybe I was a, I've been a fan of hers for a while, so maybe I got a little bit starstruck. Or maybe I lost my words a little bit. I know you messaged me during the chat saying, Rob, put your teeth back in, uh, which I think uh, was definitely fitting. Um, definitely uh, couldn't quite grab some of the words as they were coming out. But what a delight to sit down with Sarah. She, I mean, one, she is humble. I mean, that, that's a word you've got to say when you when you talk about her. Um, and But she's great to watch. You know, no one else has form like her. No one else, I believe, on the FPA has a sidearm close to what she's bringing to the game. Um, and it was just great that she was able to give us a little bit of time to talk about that. Yeah, I always start talking to pros and look at the time. And then I look at the time that we finish. I'm like, how have we been talking for, you know, 45, 50 minutes? Because you can literally we can crack on forever. And even after that, you know, we started chatting with, with her about plans for next year and it was just, it's really nice. Um, as you said, very humbling. Um, you know, I, she understands her ability. She understands how good she is, but she doesn't put it in a way that is comes off big headish. Um, so I wish her the best of luck uh, for the tour series finale, which leads us on to our sort of last area of the day um, and talk about our predictions for that. Yeah, so we do have the uh, the Pro Tour finale. Um, and I would just be not true to myself if I picked anyone but Calvin Heimberg. Now, I know he hasn't played as well as I hope this year, but he's been bringing down top spots. Maybe not always the top spot. He's had a couple, but he's been bringing down top spots. Um, obviously... Uh, the finale is a slightly different format to the usual tournament as well. And he just took down the match play. So maybe different formats is something that, you know, Heimberg can come and crush. Uh, so I've got, I've got Heimberg on my back for the whole event. Um, and over on the FPO, again, someone that I've just been a champion of all year, it has to be uh, Hayley King. I think she's, uh, she had a fantastic weekend this week. Um, or it wasn't any weekend. It always confuses me when tournaments over like midweek. But she's had a, she had a fantastic time at the uh, throw pink event, um, and I know she's going to want to finish her 
her, her year strong because she definitely did last year. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, this goes without mentioning that it's the biggest ever disc golf uh, payout um, thanks to guaranteed rate. You know, $30,000, um, as Sarah said, changes someone's off-season. So, you know, that that's the difference between them having to go and get a second job for the off-season to pay for next year's tour. So, looking forward to that. I think he'll bounce back with a back-to-back. He'll want he, he's fired up now. Support Beth's going to take down the win for me. You know, he's got a bye until sort of the last eight. So he's only got to, he's got to play less disc golf than everyone else. Um, and then she's got to bounce back from her USDGC performance. And I think Paige Pierce will want to come out there and show everyone that she's Paige Pierce and uh, she's the one that's going to take it down. So I really hope, you know. Really looking forward to that. It's one of my favourite events. I love Hornet's Nest. Uh, one of the courses I'd love to play um, just because it looks so technical. And hole four is uh, that island green and, you know, the the advertisement boardings that wouldn't be there if me and you played it really does play havoc for people's game. Yeah, see, to be fair, I, if they were there, I'd be hitting them anyway. So uh, it's, probably, <laughs> it's probably a good thing that all the advertising isn't, isn't up. Um, it's got me thinking though. I next week I want to have a little bit of a game day. I want to have a game called "If I Had Thirty Grand," and we're going to, we're going to discuss, we're going to talk about some of the discs that we would buy, past or present, or even future, if we if we had that cash just to dedicate to disc golf. I know there's a couple whizzing around my head right now. Why don't we um, do? You got thirty thousand pounds to design a disc of your choice. So think about the perfect disc that you could make for your bag, and we'll talk about that. Okay, let's do that. The perfect disc got 30 grand. I'm not quite sure where the money comes into it, but let's think that the disc is going to cost you 30 grand to produce. Hey, tooling doesn't come cheap. Injection molding doesn't come cheap. you got to get, I don't know, someone to design it. Yeah, true. <laughs> I'll get you to do it. Yeah, true. Well, it, all that's really left to be said on my side is I've got to get a shout out to the sponsors. That always comes down to me, and it's a pleasure doing it because these guys are really giving us a huge amount of support. So first, let's talk about discub.co.uk. Go over there. Like I said, pin their website and keep checking what they have coming in every week. Um, and use our code AMSIDE5 to get yourself 5% off anything you order through them. And then, of course, we've got Backhand Apparel. So you can go over backhand-discgolf.com. Use our code AMSIDE10 and get yourself looking fantastic. I believe... No, I, I, you know, no promises, but there's the British champs coming up in the, in a couple of weeks' time. If you want to look great out there, and there may still be time to get yourself kitted out and looking good if you're here in the UK. And if not, we've got Christmas, we've got New Year. I don't know anything you want to get on a present for Valentine's Day. You know, February. It's not a million miles away. Um, make sure you head over and use our code Amside10 and get yourself ten percent off any of their swag. And whilst you're checking their social medias out, make sure you check ours all at the Amside Podcast, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, give us a like, follow, subscribe. Um, and as always, if you are enjoying the podcast and your podcast platform allows you to, make sure you drop us a review. Um, we've just hit number four podcast for sports news in um, Sweden. So we have now charted in the UK, America, Japan, Sweden, Finland, Iceland, Estonia, Saudi Arabia, um, which is which is crazy. When we started this podcast, we I remember our first ever placing in the charts, and we were like, "Wow, we're like 
the top 200 podcasts in the UK. We are buzzing. And now look at us. I, I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a vision. It, there's a, a guy over in Sweden listening to the outside on loop, putting together some flat pack furniture, eating some meatballs. And if you're that guy, this is a shout out just for you or girl, <laughs> you know. But, but it's uh, no, it's great that we're getting a following, not just in the UK, because we love the guys in the UK, but the world's the a big place. But like, well, big shout out to Rob over in Japan, as I know he will be listening as he does every week. And he's really shouting about us over there. And uh, hopefully we've got some international things coming next year for you. But as always, guys, uh, if we don't see you on the course, we'll see you on the outside.